What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Cheeky Midweeky, where we are making strength and conditioning not boring anymore. And today we have Jess Isaacs on. And Jess and I got connected because Kate Correa, who was on before, she recommended that we talk. And I'm looking forward to this. Jess, I looked and did a little bit of research on your profile beforehand. Is that video of somebody recommending drinking their own urine? Is that real? Or was that's that... A- that's a real thing that's That's a real that's a real thing this man this man so confidently (laughs) was sharing that he's been drinking urine for quite some time his own urine for quite how old are you are you old enough to remember dodgeball where is it necessary for me to drink my own urine like that's (laughs) instantly what i thought like is this real it's real and he proposed all of these benefits uh let's just like lay it out (laughs) there no do not drink your own urine i mean like I, how old's your audience? I don't know. <laughs> Our audience is, we're typically the, the graduate assistants. So 22 to, we've got high performance directors. You know, we've had like Buddy Morris is an NFL strength coach. He was probably our oldest guest, 67 years old. So, okay. but I mean, Buddy was on the episode being like, why the fuck are people training in the sand? So like Buddy gets it. Like, okay. I was just going to say, if you're into that, that's cool. But as a health person. No, it's not. If you're, no. if you're, if you're, if you're one of our fucking listeners and you're drinking, no, it's not. Like, what the fuck? Like, so what was this proposed benefit that he's saying to drinking his own urine? Oh like, my just goodness. So, just, it was such so quackery. Hears, don't do it. It was such quackery, but he was basically saying like, he was like checking his own oil, essentially. <laughs> yeah, like he could drink his urine and it would tell him if he needed to cut back on things, if he needed to include things. Yeah. And then it gave him radiant glowing tan skin, um, so, <laughs> which might just be the urea. I don't know. <laughs> So before we recorded, we were saying that you probably have more bullshit to deal with in the world of nutrition than strength and conditioning might. To counteract that, to, to quote our, our founder, Kier Winham Flat, his uh, ratio is you should never have your number of complaints uh, divided by your number of solutions should never be greater than one. So for okay. everything that you point out is wrong, what should you do instead? If you that. want to find out how your body is performing, what are some <laughs> things that our listeners should make sure that their athletes, clients are doing instead? Yeah, it's simple things like paying attention to your energy levels. Like, how do you feel in the morning when you wake up? How do you feel later in the afternoon when you're training? How are you just feeling? It's like more subjective in that standpoint there, right? How's your, is your, are your strength grains going in the direction you want them to go? Is your performance going in the direction you want to go? Is your sleep being affected? Are you having trouble falling asleep? Are you feeling cramps? You know, just, just, you have your check engine lights if you're in, in tune enough with your body. The problem is that we've gotten so far away from being in tune with our body and we always want to overrule our body you know we're not listening to it when it's telling us things if you look at like a child an infant right they cry when they're hungry they cry when they need to be fed like you're so in tune with your body starting off and we get so far away from it because we listen to all this bullshit that's telling us what we need to be doing and what we should be doing is listening to our own body more and just paying attention to what's happening or not happening hearing you say that made me the question that i wrote down was paying attention to how you feel in the morning. The first thing I thought of is all these different sleep trackers Aura, whoop. I got rid of all of mine because yeah. it's like, like you said, I can kind of check in with myself and I can kind of know how I feel when I wake up. Do you recommend those type of things for any of the clients and people that you work with? Do you also, in terms of like tracking nutrition, like how far is too far with technology? What is not enough? What's the fine line for people? 
Man, I will tell you, like, I, people always want, like, a definitive answer. And, like, every answer I'm going to give you is, like, it depends <laughs> It's because it's so nuanced, right? Some people, the data is helpful to, like, monitor trends and kind of generally see. Some people can get obsessed with data. And really, like, I, like even in, like, the really high-performance space, professional athletes, if they have this data that's telling them they didn't recover well, they might be thinking that can affect their training, right? I'm not going to go as hard in my training today because I didn't recover well, which may or may not be the appropriate choice. But a lot of times, too, this data isn't isn't 100%, right? Um, when we're looking at sleep data, that might be a little bit better. But when we're looking at like energy expenditure, those numbers can be wildly, wildly off. Like they can vary. I, I did a post at one point. I was seeing numbers 20 to 90% inaccuracies amongst like how much energy you're actually burning in a day. So if you're using that as data to like base off of how much to intake, um, I would say that's probably use it as, as a, as a single data point. Um, and it may be for monitoring trends, but don't totally rely on these devices. They can be helpful for you if you're someone that needs reminders or you're not really in tune with your own body. But again, we can go overboard. Like people that are doing like the glucose monitoring, like you're, you're mm. getting too extreme there. If you're not a diabetic and you're not like a super, super dialed in athlete that's working with a team of professionals that's helping you take this data and use it to make changes, improvements, whatever, you don't need it. You don't need this stuff. It's really simple. It's, it can be really simple. <laughs> so speaking of simple, like our listeners out there, they're mostly strength coaches being strength coach network. So I'd say that's about 90% of our audience, 85, but the other room are other athletic trainers, nutritionists, or physios for anybody that isn't a nutritionist and doesn't understand what an RD does and authority. What is it? And how can strength coaches that either work in professional, high school, college, private sector, how can they best partner with and support an RD on their staff to get the most out of it for their athletes and clients? Sure. So in the U.S., a registered dietitian has an, a set required education and qualifications that they have to undergo in order to use that title. They might also be referred to as nutritionist, but nutritionist is not actually the, the technical appropriate title. Anybody can use the term nutritionist. I can take one class in nutrition. I can work at GNC. I can do the beach body diet. I can do a bodybuilding show one time and I can call myself a nutritionist, right? Oh. But in order to be a dietitian, you actually have to go through at least it's going to be in 2024, at least a master's degree in nutrition and dietetics. You have to go through a whole like 1200 practice hour supervised practice hour um, internship. And then you have to take a board exam and do continuing education. So an RD is considered the credentialed expert in nutrition. Um, whereas a nutritionist, some dietitians may use the term nutritionist, but it's important to know that if someone's using that title nutritionist, they may not, they might not have those qualifications and you should find out if they are a registered dietitian or if maybe they're a nutritionist from another country, they might, they might actually have similar requirements. Uh, there's also a title called a CNS, which is a certified nutrition specialist. Um, it's really confusing. It's really confusing, but I would always say like, look behind the credentials at the education um, to really understand if that person is the appropriate one for you. And then how we should partner together. I mean, like there's, there's just so much we can do for an athlete. Strength coaches have traditionally been the ones that have helped athletes with nutrition, right? Your athletes come to you. I want to get bigger. I want to get smaller. My energy sucks. What do I do? And so strength coaches and performance coaches, they've had to know some of that stuff and they should continue to know some of the stuff. Um, but dietitians, we've come along as this additional 
performance partner or performance team member um, that can really help a high performance staff, just like an athletic trainer, just like a sports psych. You know, if you have people in all these mm -hmm. specialties, we can really collaborate mm -hmm. and do so much more for our athletes. 100%. And you know, you kind of talked about it, but if there's a strength coach that has a certification in nutrition, and if they can acknowledge that they have that, they're not the expert and they're there to help, mm -hmm. is that better? Or is it, would a nutritionist, an AD, an RD, would they prefer strength coaches just be kind of bland and not know much and just be willing to work with them? Like, what's the fine line? Because again, I feel like there's a lot of strength coaches that maybe take a precision nutrition course or, you know, because I did it myself, but like sure. the ones that want to actually work together and do it right, what's the way to do it? I think for understand what you know and 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 feel like if you don't know stuff that's fine don't try to don't try to go outside of your scope of practice but you should have basic like you should know what to tell your athlete to eat before they work out you should know what to tell your athlete to eat after they work out you should know those sorts of things we shouldn't be prescribing diets though if you are if you are a strength coach unless you have that background you shouldn't be prescribing diets if you have an athlete that has any kind of health condition they're a type 1 diabetic type 2 diabetic they have anything like that you should be working with a dietitian um, they shouldn't they shouldn't med that's considered medical nutrition therapy when an athlete has any kind of health condition and you there's there's all kinds of other components that go with that and so you, you don't know what you don't know and so it's not a knock to the strength coach it's just that you have an area that you specialized in and you should know some of that overlap just like dietitians we know some overlap of kinesiology and strength and conditioning type aspects right but i'm not going to give a training plan to an athlete right um, so, so just kind of know, knowing where that, that, that gap is, but I always like to, if, especially if I'm working on a team to really build a great relationship with that strength coach, where they can be a conduit of information in both directions, whether they're telling me about that athlete and giving me some insights of things I might want to work with that athlete on, or whether they have a better relationship with that athlete. And I might want to feed them information back on how to help that athlete, because ultimately I don't give a shit if it comes from me, if it comes from you, as long as it's the right information and it helps the athlete. Taking a quick break from the show to talk to you about our membership site. If you find value from our podcast, you are guaranteed to find more value inside of the Strength Coach Network video library inside the membership. Doesn't matter the level coach you are, you can see all of our 170 plus lectures sorted three different ways. Based on the level of expertise coach you are, aspiring, established, or head, you can sort it by every sport imaginable, and you can sort it by every topic in strength and conditioning. This makes all of the content consumable, easy for you and for your staff members to be able to deep dive on any topic in strength and conditioning. Click the link down below to try the site out for 24 hours for only $1. Then your membership turns into a monthly membership where the price is less than $30 a month for $29.99, which is less than going out to dinner by yourself. You have access to all of this content. Click the link down below. Hey, that'll, I mean, that'll preach like a hundred percent. You're speaking to my soul with that because yeah. I feel like there's not enough strength coaches that will feel that way. And mm -hmm. I hope that they're hearing that and they're truly understanding that because it really doesn't matter. But any strength coach that heard that and their objective to you was relationship and like, Oh, okay, Jess, well, you know, the, the RD guy or girl, they're not around and I'm around. Mm -hmm. So they don't want to listen to whoever it is. What yeah. do you do? What do you say to that? 
Yeah. So I would say like, let's, let's find opportunities to learn together, whether that is like, Hey, bring the dietitian in to do a presentation to the strength coach, to the performance team or whatever it is of like, Hey, you want information. You want to be able to feed your athletes the proper information. Let's bring this dietitian in at least to kind of, uh, train the, train the trainers, right. And give them the appropriate information, maybe give them some handouts and some resources. Um, but that's an important, I think it's important for dietitians too, to understand a lot of times we do, we sit in our offices or we're very removed from the athlete, but we want to be that expert. And we have kind of a chip on our shoulders, to be honest about people, because people do like step over into our lane, not just strength coaches, but yes, aunt yes. Susie doctors, the, your accountant, your freaking, sport your neighbor. Coach. Yeah. Sport coach. sport coach. Yeah. Right. Everybody eats. So everybody has an opinion on food. And sometimes we preach it as though it's factual information when we shouldn't. Right. And so I think just like, rec I think both sides need to recognize who has that better relationship with that athlete and what's the goal and what's going to help them get there. If it's something like, you know, it's a really sensitive subject and they really want them working mm. directly with a dietitian, you know, maybe there's an eating disorder, maybe there's other kind of things involved, you know, know when to pass that off. But dietitians as well should be able to recognize, hey, this person has a better relationship and they are where it's going to be more impactful if we do this as a tag team or if I help this strength coach understand more to help that athlete. You talked about disordered eating, and I had a, a situation where there was an athlete that came in, had documented eating disorder, documented anxieties, and mm -hmm. sport coaches were like, this is all bullshit. Like, saying this to the athletic trainers, we're like, great, this, is, this should be fun. Like, <laughs> yeah. And having to navigate that was one of the most interesting and really, really – it was a good challenge with the nutritionist and with my assistant, the – the same woman, Kate, that connected us, mm -hmm. um, you know, we came up with a system and it went from like, he's going to get weight on the scale. She's the only one that sees that he's going to have his back turned to it. Mm -hmm. And then eventually she and the nutritionist, like just the three of them would talk, but then it got to the point where he would actually step on the scale and look at the number. And like, sure. I say that just to ask you your question and then be able to speak it to other strength coaches. Like how real are those disordered eatings? And again, staying in our lane, but being a part of the team, what do we do and how do we help RDs and the athletes? It's so huge. It's such an epidemic, really. And it's, I think traditionally it's been thought of as a female issue. It's not. It's not. It's 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 Heck all no. it's all no. genders. It really is. It's all genders, and it's it's all ages too. It's young people, it's old people. I mean, we're being taught. I started doing this because everything I saw on the internet or anything about nutrition was about how to make yourself smaller. Um, and so that's, that's, that's all, that's a lot of what our, your athletes see as well, how to be smaller, how to have abs, how to be shredded. And while some athletes are going to look that way, we know a lot of athletes, they're never going to look that way, or they're not going to perform their best trying to look that way. Right. And so I think it's, it's important it's important to kind of educate yourself and recognize the signs, but understand that you're probably going to miss it a lot. I know like, like, cause you're, you're going to be seeing through your own lenses and through your own life experiences and through how you see food and numbers and the scale and everything like that. And so you're not going to be able to get into this other person's head. Mm. And so I think it's really important to be very sensitive about weight data, body fat data. I don't think we always need to be measuring body comp all of the time on all of the athletes. And we need to recognize, 
recognize when there is a sensitivity there and maybe if we need to bring in another professional. Um, I know that there's sometimes I can I see strength coaches and, and that team being sensitive if they're in a school or an organization where they're blinded to the numbers and they're not able to see, but the dietitian can. And there's not that share of like, what was that athlete's body fat or what's their weight? I know that can be sensitive because it feels like it should be shared information. But I think it's just important. Again, I go back to like, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know how this is affecting a person. And we're talking about performance right now, but we also need to look at like lifelong mental health, anxiety, and all that around, around weight and, and that sort of thing. One of the things that one of my former assistants said was how good do you think the athletes would be if uh, they didn't have to practice or lift mandatory? And I was like, obviously not good. He's like, well, that's how nutrition is. He's like, think about it. Like nutrition, there's nobody around them to actually kind of mandate nutrition. Mm -hmm. What's the best way to educate your athletes to make them <clears throat> want to do what they're supposed to do for the other 22 hours during the day? Wow. That's a, that's a, a million, multi-million dollar yeah, question. If you know that, could you go ahead and just <laughs> yeah, yeah, let me only, jot it down. Only Strength Coach Network <laughs> members know, and we're going to increase the price. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right? Like buy-in. How do we get buy-in? How do we get accountability? How do we get compliance, right? And I think it- How do you do that then, I guess? How do I do? It yeah. seems like you're doing a really good job with it, right? Like you have people buying into what you're doing. I think it, you have to figure out what motivates them, what's important to them and speak their language. And that's different for every single athlete. I mean, there's going to be like some groups of people that are the same, but some people are going to be motivated because they want to be LeBron James. Some people don't really care that much. They're just doing it because they want to get a scholarship or they want to go to a school or they're pleasing mom and dad. And so to get them to care about it, you have to really, um, I guess, tap into what is it that they, they care about ultimately? What's the big picture for them? Um, and then you you know, it, a lot of it is just reinforcement to you. A lot of times it's not that they, they don't want to do it. It's that habit building takes time. It takes reinforcement. It takes accountability. It takes support. Right. Um, and so if you're having to do, if your strength coach is telling you to do all these things and your athletic trainer is telling you to do all these things and your dietitian is telling you to do all these things and it's all the most important thing, I'm overwhelmed as a, as a student athlete. I'm overwhelmed. I'm going to pick and choose a few things and then you're going to get mad at me because I'm not doing all the things and you think I'm not taking it seriously when I'm just overwhelmed. How do we handle that then? Because you're right. Like how do we, how do we then tone it down to understand that we're there to help and we we're trying to help them with the things that we know can help them. Gosh, communication being, being like, I think, you know, I hear this all the time. Athletes don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And so I think showing them, you know, being a role model, especially when they're, when you're older than they are too, like demonstrating those habits, um, you know, showing some kind of support. Maybe it is just doing a little extra check-ins with that athlete or, you know, as a strength coach, you're seeing them more often than the dietitian, but as a dietitian, maybe I'm shooting them a text, like, how are we doing with that habit from that we talked about last week, you know, or maybe sh making sure that it's maybe not a full week that we go without talking, that I'm tapping in each day to kind of give them that nudge and then make sure that we're not throwing too much on at once, you know, being reasonable with, with the load, whatever that load is. <clears throat> Any of our listeners out there thinking about reasonable for their athletes with nutrition and supplements, because that whole thing is crazy. Mm -hmm. What are your opinion, not nutritional advice? We're just talking. These are two people talking, everybody. <laughs> what do you think are like some of the basic, most important supplements? Because I know the ones that I and, you know, most strength coaches believe, I guess you'd say vitamins, protein, fish oil. You'd probably start there, creatine before creatine. you kind of 
go crazy, but like, what are some of the kind of tried and true things that strength coaches should start researching on your own? Cause again, we're not giving you nutritional advice right here. People we're just talking. Yeah. Like you said, um, a creatine can be helpful for like any human, <laughs> um, in, 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 cause it has capacities that go far beyond just, um, muscle development and whatnot. Uh, a good protein powder, whether that's whey, soy, or pea protein, those are going to be your best ones for you. Um, a fish oil, like you said, omega-3, DHA, EPA, really important for brain health. Um, but then beyond that, you know, uh, there's, there's, there's not a ton of things like BCAAs or a no, Sorry to break that to you. <laughs> you don't, if you, if you're getting away protein powder or anything like that, you're already, or any kind of complete protein source, you're already getting branched chain amino acids. So PCAs are unnecessary. Um, pre-workouts also unnecessary. Although I have been using, I have been using, um, I do believe in either beets or black currants, um, Ooh, or yeah. pre-workout. That, um, that's I, a vasodilator though. That's why, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I've been leaning towards black currants <laughs> as of late cause they taste much better. And also there's some recovery benefits as well. Uh, tart cherry juice. That's Cher- also I saw your post. Mm-hmm. Cherry Bundy is the shit. It's so good. It's so good. So good. I live on, it's I so live good. on it. I take a I post-workout cherry. and for sleep. Yeah, yeah, so Cherry hey, t- cherry Bundy, if you're listening to this, reach out to Strength Coach Network. We love that shit. We had it back <laughs> in the day at uh, Towson and at Iowa. That shit is let's awesome. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, if you've got an athlete that, like, rather than, like, a, a multivitamin, I always like to, if there's particular nutrients that I know an athlete is deficient in, like, hit those nutrients. Vitamin D is generally one. Most humans are deficient. Um, so vitamin D is, is one, um, sometimes a lot of female athletes are low in iron, especially your, um, thinner athletes, your like cross country endurance type athletes. Um, they can be low in iron, but I'd always recommend testing iron levels before supplementing it. Um, I was going to be my, like you're, you're okay. So this is all stuff here. And you say that how do how do coaches do that then how do they do it the right way whether it's high school pro college tactical whatever world they're working in how do they test properly a to make sure they're not being bought by or being scammed by some company that's just mm-hmm. selling them like you said bcas and then what do they then need to go and contract out somebody like you like how do they just go and, and go ahead and do it and please pitch your services if these are things that you do because we don't sell nutrition advice sure. at Strength Coach Network. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I always recommend that it's third-party tested and a lot of companies will say it's third-party tested. There's some specific labels, logos that you should look for on your bottles, on your packages because even if one, a company tests one product, they might not test it all. And so there's- And NS- you could be able to say that they are? Yeah. Well, not necessarily- they they could like, say they like could, they, they could say they're NSF certified if they tested product A but not product B and put it on product B's bottle. Not put it on product B bottle, but they okay. might have like I might have like a brand like Thorn for instance. Thorn has an athlete. Thorn with an E has an athlete line, and so they have some NSF certified products, but not all of them are. So you have to be you want to check which ones are. So if if they're not and yeah yeah. So NSF for sport they have a they have a website. They have an app you can use. You can scan things or look things up. Um, uh, Inform Sport is another one, and then there's a couple other ones. USP Lab. B, C, G, C, 
Um, those are kind of more on vitamins, but NSF and Informed Sport are the main ones I look for. They test for making sure that what's in the product is on, or what's on the label is actually in the product in like the appropriate quantities because products can do that. They can say it's got, you know, 100% of your vitamin C and have like 2% of your vitamin C. Um, they can have a, they can have contamination, um, like banned substances in them. Um, in a couple studies recently, as many as like 20 to 30% of the products they tested were positive for banned substances that would get an athlete in trouble. Um, so you want to make sure that they're tested for that for a number of reasons, for health, for safety, for your, your school, your, um, sport career. Right. Um, and then, yeah, I, like a lot of these supplements aren't going to do much if an athlete's not eating well to begin with. Right. Like if you're not eating enough protein, if you're not eating, enough, if you're like, I don't, you can throw all the creatine you want, you're not going to build muscle. Right. So like, I want to just blanket recommend things to anybody. And that's where it's helpful to re, like to, to source this out. Right. So that someone that can analyze the diet and see if there are supplements that are appropriate and recommended, because I don't want my athlete to hyper-focus on their creatine every day. If they're not eating breakfast, if they're not, e if they're not eating anything before a workout. I want to make sure that I'm having them focus on the right things, the things that actually are going to be the most impactful for them. And so a strength coach, you probably don't have all that time in the world to sit down and do all that with your athlete. And that's where you'd probably want to either like bring in a dietitian. It, like if you don't have the, the budget to have like your athletes work one-on-one -on -one with a dietitian, bring them in for a presentation or contract a dietitian that can do some like food log reviews and do some like supplement reviews or something like that. Like there's a lot of different services that we can, we can offer, um, for like, I've built out, um, meal plans and supplement plans and, and handouts for strength coaches to have on hand at their gym because they weren't, they couldn't afford to bring in a dietitian, but they still wanted those resources for their athletes. You talked about pea, soy, and whey protein, and that made me think about any vegan athletes or any athletes that can't have, you know, even whey. Like, mm -hmm. what should coaches do? And I feel like the first thing that I'm going to say is most strength, strength, strength coaches probably have to, like, calm down and not be like, oh, what do you mean, bro? You're not going to have whey protein? Like, that's probably the first thing most strength coaches need <laughs> to, like, just calm down and have a big, deep exhale. Yeah. Because, and I'm going to say this to everybody out there. I had an athlete who was an offensive lineman that weighed 331 pounds and was one of the strongest kids on the team. Vegan had to have his own vegan protein. So like, yeah, it yeah. comes in all shapes and sizes, people. You know what? Honestly, when I was working with the Clippers, they, I was pretty much giving most of the athletes a pea or a soy protein because so many of my athletes had either issues with lactose. It wasn't just, they weren't vegan or vegetarian. They just had, they didn't like the way that whey felt. They were getting gassy. Um, they were having issues breaking down the lactose. There are whey proteins like momentous is one of them that have like enzymes with them that helps you to kind of break down that lactose more. So you don't have that, that problem that you usually have with, might have with whey. Um, but when it comes to a vegan or vegetarian, vegetarian or someone that's allergic to avoids dairy has any lactose issues a pea or a whey pea i should say pea not urine like we were talking about in the beginning a pea or a soy protein they are shown to be just as effective in growing muscle as whey you sometimes will need more of it though so you might be one scoop away to two scoops of your pea or your soy protein um take that into consideration but all of them we'll do the same thing if we're getting enough enough of the right foods enough quantities right time and the enough of the right strength training protocol
<clears throat> you know, now me hearing that and maybe other strength coaches, people listening to this think the same thing. What about the notion of the incomplete protein? Like, is there enough of all of the different amino acids and the entire protein for it to be a complete protein if it's soy and if it's pea and like doing it that way? Yes, yes. And in this forms, these are complete proteins and they're going to have enough leucine content, which is what we want for that, that muscle, muscle protein synthesis. Yep. Taking a quick break from the show to talk to you about our newest sponsor, Hawken Dynamics. Hawken Dynamics builds and designs software and hardware for coaches, athletic trainers, sports scientists, and everybody in the high performance department. Most notably, their use of their force plates with the ease of transportation and ease of use. Not only did I use them when I was at Towson, but I've used them when I've moved back here to Iowa with Tucker at Goldfinch. So check out Hawken Dynamics in the link down below. Now let's get back to the show. What's up, strength coaches? Want to take a quick break from the show to talk to you about our sponsor, Team Builder. Team Builder is your one-stop shop for online training platform needs as a coach. With Team Builder, you're going to be able to program for your athletes, whether they're in person or remote. Using Team Builder, not only will you be able to program for your athletes, but there are special features such as the leaderboard and locking training with wellness questionnaires. With the leaderboard, you can have an exercise performed that day, whether it be a lift, a sprint, or a jump, and scores can be updated in real time and projected on a TV in the training. Wellness questionnaires can be used at the beginning of training, and your athletes will have to fill them out prior to being able to train. This ensures that as a coach, you're being able to collect quality data before the athletes train. So, if you're interested in Team Builder, click the link down below and find out more information let's get back to the show got it so anybody that's been listening to us for the last 26 minutes can clearly tell that you're very well versed in this talk about what is like what's your background in this what got you into it like talk about the origin of how you are where you are now yeah hi guys i'm jessica isaacs <laughs> um i i started off i was a late bloomer so i was in the military uh, i was an aircraft mechanic and but i just i was never really an athlete um until my 30s i started playing rugby um thought that hey why not start with a contact sport um, <laughs> um, uh, i was into bodybuilding a little bit before that so i guess that kind of counts depending on on what camp you're in right um but I always struggled with nutrition and body image. Again, like I always, I had a mom always on a diet kind of thing. All the things that I always saw were how to make yourself smaller. I had a bunch of friends that had eating disorders. And so I thought that was the cool thing to do. And I hopped on board and just like it, it, my health just suffered. Um, and then I got into bodybuilding thinking that that was going to be a good change for me. And <laughs> my health Sorry. suffered. Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I, the wrong way. I looked good. Here's the thing. I will tell you, I, the, the times that I stepped on stage and probably arguably looked my best to mainstream. I was the most unhealthy I've ever been in my life. Mentally, physically, all the things, all the things, all of the things. So that was terrible. But then um, I, but through that, I was like, I was seeing how nutrition was allowing me to change my body, allowing me to perform in ways I never performed before. And I became really fascinated about like coupling that with athletes at the highest level. Um, didn't know what a dietitian was, just kind of pursued a path of like, what do I need to do to like learn about nutrition um, and then to be able to work with athletes. Went to school at Purdue, um, got my dietetics undergrad there. Yep. And then uh, worked in a hospital for about a year, did a little bit of like medical nutrition, worked with diabetics and other sorts of kind of patients. But I always wanted to ultimately end up with athletes. Um, moved out to California, got my first gig at Mamba Sports Academy, which was Kobe Bryant's oh. training facility. Yeah. yeah. So I worked with all sorts of athletes, Olympic athletes, professional athletes, youth athletes. Um, it was really cool. 
then uh, moved on to work at UCLA, was with the men's and women's basketball teams there as their dietitian for a couple of years. Uh, and then most recently with, with, was with the Clippers um, in the NBA for the last two seasons. Uh, and then now I'm doing private practice and uh, seeing athletes seeing athletes one-on-one, but then also doing some like fun contract work. Were you with Les Spellman at Mamba Academy? Yeah, no? yeah, yeah. You were? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we had, we had Les on the show and he was talking. Les is dope. Um, about how he got his start at Mamba Academy and just mm-hmm. how it was like how how he just kind of kept showing up and eventually he worked himself up into what he's doing. That's super cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched. Um, I, well, I, didn't, I won't say I watched his whole like career, but I watched from him at him there to him just starting this incredible speed program that he's doing now. Yeah, that's super cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hydration, sweat rate analysis, all of that. What are your opinions on it? What's your thoughts? What do you recommend? How should people go about addressing this? Yeah, I mean, you can get it dialed in, right? And we can we can measure sweat losses and we can, um, there's in a lab setting, there's also different tools that allow us to kind of measure like urine specific gra- gravity. Um, and the Gatorade also makes like a little patch you can wear that will track like how much sweat and then how much salt, um, because salt is the main elect sodium is the main electrolyte we lose in our sweat, not potassium, um, for all you coconut, <laughs> coconut based sports drink lovers. Um, but, uh, uh, it, it, I, I, for a lot of people though, we want to just take like half of our body weight um, in pounds and that's kind of your baseline ounces of fluid you need each day. And then um, what athletes should also kind of get in the habit of doing every now and then for athletes that aren't like super weight conscious or this could be like blinded um, is measuring your weight before a workout and your weight like after a workout. Um, and you're going to have different kinds of workouts, right? And different kinds of conditions. So um, maybe this is you, you measure it for a hard workout essentially to see what's your max output. And you would look at your weight before you wait after see how much many pounds you lose and then replace the amount of that amount of sweat basically is your sweat losses so like if i lost two pounds of sweat then i would have 16 to 24 ounces per pound um so there's a whole there's a whole bunch of equations we can use out there a lot of times i like to just kind of sit down with an athlete try to figure out what their sweat losses are in maybe their most rigorous workout um in maybe hotter hotter conditions and see what their 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 max output is um and then kind of figure out all right what kind of water bottle should we have them carry around um should it be you know a 48 ounce water bottle and then coach them up on like how many of these do I need to get through in a day but it also for some athletes um it's not just it's not just sweat it's just water again that we're losing we're losing electrolytes um the average human does not is not going to need electrolytes. They're not going to need to be like all all of the people that are putting in electrolytes into everything. If you're you're staying home in your yoga pants and you're never even walking outdoors, you don't need electrolytes. But if you are a particularly sweaty athlete, if you are someone that gets like those crystals, white crystals on your clothing, on your skin, you're probably a higher saltier sweater. Then you're someone that can benefit from electrolytes. Um, and then again, if we're training in like hot or humid conditions, if you're training for longer than an hour, that might be where I consider some electrolytes as well. What about there's There has been a, lot, a big push of like salt, 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 right? It's kind of getting shoved down people's throat. How much of it is, yes, it is important versus like, man, are we going to be asking people to like have just all this now hypertension, high blood pressure because they're having too much salt? Like, where's that fine line for somebody that wants to do it right? Well, if you're looking at like the guidelines that I think people are scared about with hypertension, that like 2,300 milligrams of sodium each day, that's made for like the general population. And that's fact that's factoring in all of the 
unhealthy people and people that are not active in the country. And we're kind of making generalizations to help people stay away from that chronic disease state, right? But when we're athletes, these recommendations aren't for athletes. Um, athletes can lose a ton of salt um, in their sweat. It, can, it, it ranges so much per person. Um, but we lose, when I say electrolytes, there's potassium, there's magnesium, but the main one that we're losing is sodium or salt. Um, when you're sweating, you're losing salt um, and your body was going to come up with a balance. It's going to help. It's going to salt will help us hold on to fluids. Right. Um, but I, I when we're talking about sweaty athletes, we're we're not as concerned when it comes to like that hypertension. Um, those recommendations, again, are, are for the general population, not for an athlete who is sweating, who is moving their body, who is losing salt. Got it. That makes sense. <clears throat> what has been the hardest difficult, most difficult athlete that you've worked with client in your time. And again, respecting their privacy, but just from a 10,000 foot view, like what were the, some of the things that you've struggled with and how'd you overcome them? Man, you know, I've had athletes who don't believe in science. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so you could tell them like research says blah, blah, blah. They don't care. They don't care. And I, I'm thinking of one athlete in particular. This is a, a high level NBA player. Um, came to me, didn't, would, didn't believe in science. And so I would show him data and show him that he didn't care, didn't care. And he'd been playing for so long that he was like, this is what I do. This is what I've always done. Um, that was an athlete that took a lot of relationship building and the, like me showing that I gave a fuck about him because the science didn't matter. It, the relationship did. The, him trusting in me mattered more than what I could show him that s experts have shown me. And then I, you know, I've got a lot of people that are just carb avoidant that are just like, no matter what you tell mm. them, they're carb avoidant. Um, a lot of people that are really interested in like carnivore diet or intermittent fasting. Um, and, you know, like I will say, I, I know a lot of strength coaches that are big fans of intermittent fasting. I, it's, it, it's a, God, a, a big too fans. extreme. I'm Big fans. But I would tell you, I'm going to argue a point here. I'm, I'm going to argue. Go. I'm going to argue. I think it's because I think it's because y'all need to y'all need it for discipline, because if not, you're going to be snacking all the time early in the morning or late night because yes. your schedule, your schedule's messed up. It's the thing that makes the most sense for your schedule and to keep you disciplined. But I don't think I, but as as far as performance, it's not helping your performance. It's not. It's just what works best for you. And so stop I, telling your, stop telling your athletes to do it. <laughs> I 100% agree. I had a group of, I had a group of colleagues that they were like two fucking like giddy little kids when it was 10 o'clock because they could eat. And it was their, I was like, are you, I was like, really? Like, really? Like what, what are we fucking doing? It's like, a badge of honor. It's a badge of honor. Doesn't that kind of, it, it almost makes it where you're now putting such a bad stigma on food and you're creating like it's you 100%. think that you're being disciplined, but you're actually creating an unhealthy relationship with food, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a control. It's 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 the need for control. It's the need for seeking some kind of stability and control. Um, but again, when we're doing that, we, we think we're like we're like we're outthinking our body. 
but you're not. You're like, again, when I talked about in the beginning, you're getting away from listening to what your body needs and responding accordingly because your body will tell you, your body will give you signals, but you're, you're overriding them on a regular basis. I'm ignoring my hunger. I'm ignoring my cravings. And then what happens when you come out of that phase or when you have a cheat day or whatever, you go balls to the wall, shoving your face full of everything you can get your hands on and probably undo it. Like that's, not, that's not cute. Like, what <laughs> you, you put yourself through, uh, you put yourself through famine to put yourself through feast. Why? Why? Just eat the food. Eat the, eat the donut. Eat the cookie. Eat the burger. Just do it in the right, you know, do it in, in being mindful to what you need your performance to be. But like, if you're out there, if you're out there, if you're an athlete and you are busting your butt day in and day out, and you're not allowing yourself to have some carbs or a cookie now and then, I'm sorry. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you They're, doing? <laughs> I think strength coaches are the same way with that. I think yeah, strength yeah. coaches are all, hey, it's no carbs. It's like, oh my God, carbs are the enemy. And like how I noticed you had some of that out there, like how, how do they navigate? How does an athlete, how's a coach supposed to navigate through all of this then? Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is when I work with an athlete and I get them to just kind of like, all right, you're not eating carbs or you're not eating enough. Or I know I've looked at this athlete's diet. I'm like, they're so far from where they need to be. I might just like get them on board to do make one little change. Let's just try some carbs before our workout, because we know we're going to use them. We know our body's going to convert that into energy. We're going to burn that off so we don't have to be concerned about weight or anything like that, right? And then they'll tell me, oh my gosh, I felt so much better. My energy levels were so much better. I felt stronger. Um, after doing this a few days, I just felt like I, my, I, could, I could go for longer. Um, I just felt a better mood, whatever. Cool. Now apply. Let's, let's figure out where else we can add in carbs. Carbs are your body's preferred source of energy. We can convert it. Your body can convert it's glucose, right? Glucose to energy. You can like, there's arguments with ketones and all the sorts. Your body wants to use carbs. Your body wants to use carbs, the right? You said ketones right there. Was that's somebody that's had to say that that's had that's somebody that's dealt with the ketogenic person for oh a while. my gosh oh my gosh yeah i'm ready i'm ready <laughs> okay so to anybody that would then say like okay we'll, we'll talk about the keto thing in athletes and i i remember somebody trying to tell me i'm like it, no way anybody that tries to look me in the eye and tell me that berries and, sh and, and apples and bananas and oranges are bad for you like those technically yes those are carbohydrates but they're also different. Like that is completely different than white bread and the starches. If you really want to go down that route, but what do you then say to the athlete and the, the, the person, cause there are strength coaches that'll say, Oh yeah, you can't eat fruits. Like that's just, to me, I will say this is one of the dumbest things I've ever heard. It's wild. It's wild. I mean, you got, you've got people that just eat fruit. You've got like, you've got like the, the raw vegan, just fruit people. You've got people that won't eat any fruit or vegetables at all. And like really in between is where we need to you be. Need <laughs> we need in between. You need a little bit of this, a little of that. And it's so confusing. It's so confusing to people. I understand because you're hearing it from everybody, every which way you're looking to these people that maybe you look up to, maybe even are the athlete you want to be. And they're saying they're doing this wacko, you know, diet, but, but they're, the results seem to speak for itself themselves. 
our body needs so many different nutrients and we get them from a variety of foods. And if we are cutting out any one food group, we're going to see over time that we're going to have some kind of deficiencies. We're going, it's, we're, or we're going to have to make it up somewhere else. Um, there's someone doing like, like the keto diet or, or like, like just um, imagine like, uh, like how hard, hard it is to follow a keto diet too. You can't just like, I mean, now there's so many different products, but the amount of like extra effort that it takes to prepare and plan and follow that, like all of that brain space and energy that you're using to keep up with that diet. If we just applied it to like understanding basic nutrition principles and doing things like the regular good old fashioned way, like life would be easier. Life would be easier. That probably didn't answer the question all directly, but uh, but uh, yeah, fruits are okay, guys. Fruits are good for you. Damn it, <laughs> they are. And like, to maybe I'm full of it, but doesn't it seem like everything nowadays is keto friendly? That it's like, what is like? It, hasn't that gone? Hasn't that pendulum swung so far now too? It's so far, and like, what if like keto friendly is not even like a a like a protected or like you know what I mean? Like, there's certain there's certain terms that you can use on a label that actually mean something, but there's a lot of shit that's on a label for food that doesn't actually mean anything. It's just made up, right? Like saying something's gluten free that never had gluten to begin with. This orange is gluten free. Like this water is fat free. Right? What the fuck? Like, and that's so extra confusing. <laughs> oh, good. It must be healthier, right? Fat free water. <laughs> yeah. Water, let's you know? go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, and so many people when they're doing the keto diet are doing it incorrectly. It's a high fat, moderate protein, low carb diet. And a lot of people, they have really high protein, but when you're giving your body a lot of protein and you're giving your, along with the fat, the body is going to pick and choose where, what to use. And it can use protein. It can use protein for energy. So you like in order, like a lot of people aren't actually in ketosis or they're having cheat days each week. It, it takes a while to get into ketosis. And so if you're having a cheat day each week, you're like undoing that and then never in ketosis. doesn't make sense. I don't know. It's, that's a whole other, that's a whole other podcast. What about the best then? What's been the best, best. athlete, you know, success story? If it's a couple people, but what has been the opposite of that? Man, you know, just like, when I was working with college athletes, I just felt like they're, um, you know, they were just kind of still like, I won't say a blank slate, but a lot of them for the, it was like the first time working with a dietitian um, or having exposure to kind of performance nutrition, which is, which is, I, I would say is, is a disservice to athletes to like, not actually get any kind of education on performance nutrition until their collegiate career. Um, so, so do that sooner. But um, just like I, I had an injured athlete who was also like a, like she was a, a vegetarian athlete and then she was injured. Um, and she just like, she, but she was so bought into the process. She was so bought into what she could do to like get better, both from her, her PT side, her nutrition side, all the things. Um, and she just really like, she just, she made it fun. Like she would make TikTok videos about what she's doing and her injury recovery process, but she would talk about the nutrition. She would show the plan that I had written out for her. Um, and we'd have check-ins each week or, and, and talk about things. She'd be able to text me and, um, ask me questions. And I just, I love that. Like an athlete who is like, all right, we're in a point where we don't want to be. We're in a place where like, this shit sucks. This is not what I want to be doing, but this is my time that I'm going to buckle down on the habits and the behaviors that I need to be in place to recover my body, but then also move me forward from here. 
right? Instead of seeing it as a setback and like sitting in her, like wallowing and like, I'm injured, I can't do shit. She's like, all right, what can I do? What can I do? Right? And then she set herself up for success where she was fueling herself out of that injury, fueling herself way better than she'd ever fueled herself before and performing better out of that than she had ever performed before because she took that opportunity of like that setback to, to, to propel her forward. Quick break from the show to remind you to hit that like and subscribe button so that way you get notifications of when more content like this gets released. So click that like and subscribe button. And with that, let's get back to the show. What has been the biggest aha moment or something that you've learned in the last one or three years that has drastically changed what you've done and looking back on the past, like, I wish I would have known this sooner. Um, my big aha, um, there's so many different ways to get things done. There's so many, like whatever your goal is, there's so many different ways. Like you don't have to eat. If there's a food you don't want, you don't want, you don't have to eat it. If there's a, like a supplement you want to take because you don't want to eat a food, you could probably do it. Like there's so many different ways to get things done. And so when people get too caught up in like, it has to be this way, or it has to be this way, you're doing yourself a disservice. You really are. And so for me, like really understanding, all right, what are you willing to do? What do you want to do? And what are we trying to achieve? And like, how do we put that together? Because if they're willing and they're able and they're motivated to to do it, they're most likely to do it. But if I'm trying so hard to get this kid onto my script or this athlete onto my script and not paying attention at all to what they are doing well already or what they want to do or what they're interested in, then we're not going to really make this. We might make progress, but not the same progress as if I adapted to them um, instead of just trying to get them on board with me is if I adapt to them. Uh, and there really are like, there's, there's no one way for anything. There really is. There's, and you know, that it's in training, right? There's so many different modalities to grow a muscle. If you don't like doing squats, you don't got to do squats. <laughs> like you can find other ways to get that done and grow those muscles. Right. That's a great point. And I, I like how you said that because you're right. There is, if you didn't like to back squat, you can front squat, you can goblet squat. There's so many different mm -hmm. ways to get that training. Stimulus. He's like, you're going to still squat. Damn it. <laughs> Shut your mouth, kid, and fucking get your dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one of the things that I thought of when you were talking was we had um, a guy named John Wellborn on the show who used to play in the NFL, and he is a strength coach now. And he was saying – he said something, and there was no fact behind it, so I'm curious to, to the you know actuality of it. But the notion that the food that we get nowadays is like 90% less – healthy, less nutritious than it used to be back in the day, 80s, 90s, 60s, 70s. I don't know. I can't prove this. I don't know. Like for somebody to say that in your professional opinion, is that, does that hold water? If it does, like, where does it come from? How could somebody, you know, measure those statistics? Is it from when people do boom calimetry to be able to see the nutritional quality? Like how could that something like that be assessed? I don't know. I just like saying random numbers sometimes just to get for impact. <laughs> That's what it seems like to me. You can't. How can you say all food, right? How can you say, because it's like, you can say the soil isn't as rich, but also you can have soil in other areas that, that is enriched. And so you could like, if food is grown in soil that isn't rich with certain nutrients and it, this land has been farmed again and again and again, then you might be able to say like the, the nutrients of that vegetable are less than they were when the soil was that's silly that's silly if you're looking at the landscape of like what people eat what people's habits are you can say we eat 90 percent more unhealthy you know than than we our ancestors did because they didn't 
they had to make everything. You had to catch things. You had to cook things. You had to make, right? Every household was an ingredient household. People didn't have like frozen meals, right? But like, or, or like readily available, high quality frozen meals. People didn't have meal prep companies that were shipping them <laughs> out, right? Right. That's just a silly thing to say. I will say that people's habits suck because we have so many more, we have so many more options, right? And I, there, there's definitely a lot more highly processed foods available. And so people's reach for those out of convenience, out of, you know, financial, um, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, but I think it's more of like the habits and choices and not about limitation of actual healthy foods. Like you can still be healthy in this environment. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought too. Cause I was like, wait yeah. a minute. Like, you know, it sounds interesting, but as you said, like, okay, if, if that's just based off the soil, like, does that just mean like, okay, let's take care of the soil? Like, I don't yeah. know. I heard that. And I was, I was very taken back by it. Cause I'm like, how do we go about like, how do how does one go about analyzing that? You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't. I mean, what? You're right. Yeah, you were right. There. Your spidey sense was tingling. It was right. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah. The, within that counting calories, for anybody that is that does want to nerd out on it, like what is the official way of counting cal? Like for because so many people is is counting calories something that you do recommend? Don't recommend? What's something that our coaches should kind of take away when they're giving any advice or something that they should learn about counting calories with athletes or clients. Do your athletes like, do they like know all of their lift numbers, how many reps, how many sets and the, the weight that they're moving on all their lifts? It is on their lift card, whether they, do they know read it or not. Yeah. That's do, like, do they, do they know it? Do they know how to like, do they know it? And then know how to like, then go set that up themselves again. It depends on the fucking school. <laughs> it depends on the athlete because there are some athletes, the number of times I've had to say, Hey coach, what are the, what, how many reps? I don't know. Yeah. Is it, it's on your lift card yeah. or then like, so that's why it's like some of them do some of them. Maybe. Don't. Yeah. So I would say like, I can give an athlete here are your calories and your macros, it, it, but then like, what the fuck are they going to do with that? Right. What the fuck? Because are, they might use an app or like they, they don't know what to do with that information. It's just a bunch of numbers. And so yeah. when I'm working with an athlete, I'm looking at like plate portions and like, here's what a protein is. Here's what so a carbohydrate. Plate yeah. And like plate hands, portions. And that really is the way. Yes. I swear by it. Performance. Now, what plates. about bigger plate, smaller plate? If you want them to gain weight, lose weight, is that important or what? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Scale up the plate or adjust the portions. Right. So we want to grow. We want to gain weight. We need more carbs, more protein, uh, maybe more fats. Um, if we want to lose weight or watch our weight, we might have more vegetables, more starchy or more, more non-starchy vegetables than we have carbohydrates. But it's like, that's way easier for an athlete to manage, especially when they're eating on the go, when they're on the road at a hotel, like having to set up a meal, if they're at a restaurant, if they're at a family, like if they know this is a protein, this is a carb, this is whatever, and they know their plate portions, that's going to be way, that's going to function for them way more than like carrying around, Hey, I got to eat 2,700 calories. And you know what I mean? Like, I watched a video last night of some bozo having like, like, Oh no, I got 170 grams of protein. I have to get in at 9 PM. This shit ain't happening, bro. It's not <laughs> happening. It's not, but also what, what, 
what is your program that you have to get in 170 grams of protein at 9 p.m. because you fucked up? <laughs> you fucked up. <laughs> but like that's like it's just not it's not manageable for your average athlete. There are some people like especially like my endurance kind of athletes, the people that are more of those like do it yourself kind of people. They love numbers. They're the type A personality. They're going to track and record their calories. But your average athlete is not going to do that or it's just giving them it's giving them again. When we talked about like that overload of information or overload of things to worry about. That's too much. Giving them a bunch of numbers like that is too much. And then they obsess over it. Um, then there's there's fallacies with both tracking, you know, how you track food. And then also even just like the numbers on a back of a package, like those numbers can be off. Um, how you measure your portion size can be off. So it's not like, like trying to make it so dialed into an exact science, I don't think is helpful um, versus like keeping it simple um, and then getting the big picture right. I couldn't agree with you more. And that's where I'm like, man, I wonder, is this, is this just a bunch of uh, confirmation bias or like, uh, I don't know. But I couldn't agree more because it's yeah. like getting back to what we kind of mm -hmm. talked at the beginning where it's like, I got rid of, I had an aura ring. I got rid of it. Like, mm -hmm. because at first uh, I was like, Oh, I want to show, I'm going to show off how good of a sleeper I am. And it was like, it's telling me like you had no deep sleep and it's like, you should have a rest day. And I'm like, fuck, I feel great. Like what, what, what do you mean? Like all of a yeah. sudden it's causing these problems that I never had before. And, and like you said, I think there's just in the world of strength and conditioning and probably nutrition, there is, I think too much technology and we've lost mm -hmm. the ability to talk and feel in your own body, but then like athlete to athlete, client to athlete, you know? Yeah. 100%. 100%. <clears throat> All right. I'm going to go to our kind of our rapid fire questions at the end to respect your time. Right, so first question, these are kind of funner questions. If you were a food, what would you be? Man, if I was a food, what would I be? I think I'd be like a sushi roll because there's just there's a lot in there. There's some layers in there. We've got some different things in there, you know, looks healthy on the outside, but all the fun's on the inside. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't That's know. awesome. If you were a car, what kind of car would you be? Oh, man. Something like something sturdy. <laughs> um, sturdy you car. know, I would have said <laughs> sturdy car. Um, uh, something sturdy. Uh, I, I would say like um, maybe like a, a Land Rover. A oh, Land wow. Rover seems like a good car. Fancy yeah. too, though. Yeah. Not, not really, though. <laughs> All right. What kind of animal would you be? An animal? Mm -hmm. uh, a dolphin. You'd be a dolphin, huh? Yeah. They're smart and friendly, but they're also psycho. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's something that uh, people don't know about you, but you wish that they did? Don't know about me, but wish they did. I am one of 10 kids. What? Yeah. <laughs> are you oldest, middle? Where are you at? I'm the, I'm the second oldest. Oh, wow. What was that yeah. like growing up? Man, there wasn't enough food to go around. <laughs> which is probably, yeah. Even yeah. more part of the eating yeah. problem. Man. Right, right. Yeah. What would be your advice to a young nutritionist getting into the game? What would be your piece of advice? Listen, listen and collaborate. 
with your with your like don't you don't just be in a, like hey I just want to work with athletes like get to know the people that work around the athletes too those are going to be um, the best places for you to be able to help to, to learn about that athlete more and then again make that impact um, I think so many times we get wrapped up in just our dietitian dietitian stuff that we don't stay curious enough um, and interested enough about what other professionals do how about to an established dietitian somebody that's been doing it for four to five years it's not that serious you know like it's okay it's not that serious like this isn't life or death as much as we want to think that it's life or death like it's okay to take a break sometimes it's okay to chill sometimes don't take yourself too seriously have a laugh every now and then try it (laughs) (laughs) all right what about to somebody that's a department head been in this for 10 plus years man department head 10 plus years oh gosh um, I would say, I would say like spend time with, with the people that are coming in, you know, learn from the people that are, are the, the next people that will be taking over, right? They might have new insights, do things a different way, have learned things a different way. They might have something to teach you, even, um, though you're the veteran and the expert. What if somebody is wearing a hat inside and they're a strength coach working with athletes and their athletes are lifting in the weight room and the coach is wearing a hat is that unprofessional or not unprofessional in your opinion it broke up hold on a second Okay, froze for a second. Um, is that unprofessional or not? I mean, I'm a big fan of a hat, and look at me. I have like jewelry all in my face and tattoos everywhere. <laughs> I don't think what you what you look like. I don't think what you look like is always the end all be all about how professional you are or aren't. Um, I think it's about how you carry yourself, how you communicate, um, and it's not just about how you look and what you're wearing. But maybe turn your hat so, around if you can't so, see yeah, your hat. They can't if see you're you. Wear, if you're wearing your hat forward. Yeah. It's just, it's a team issued hat. Yeah. And you're wearing it inside and your athletes are lifting. Is it unprofessional or not? I like, I don't think it's unprofessional necessarily at all. Yeah. Yeah. But I think if your athletes are having trouble seeing your eyes, then turn it around. Um, But I don't think, I don't think that that makes you less professional at all. Yeah. Thank you very much. That is, that is, that, that concludes the last of our rapid fire questions. Um, Where, where can anybody, they've been that listening to us for the last hour, where can anybody continue to learn about you? Um, just follow you in your, in your journey of, with, uh, helping athletes out. Yeah, I'm mostly, I'm the most active on Instagram, um, at Jessica, the sports RD, RD for registered dietitian. Um, also on TikTok, Jessica, the sports RD, which is a lot of times just recycled from Instagram stuff. And then my website, Jessica, the sports RD.com. Very nice. We'll have all that linked below. Uh, you have a good rest of your day and thanks for coming on. You as well. Thanks, guys. Congratulations on making it to the end of the video. Why don't you celebrate by watching more videos just like it? You can also help us on our quest to placate the algorithm gods by liking, sharing, subscribing, and commenting. Thank you.